We've been talking about the, uh, the Holy Spirit and holiness. And if you weren't here uh, yesterday, it's impossible for me to catch you up <laughs> on three hours of preaching yesterday. <laughs> so um, in, in a way, I'm kind of starting right in the middle today. I do have a, a CD set back there called Taking Flight with the Holy Spirit. And it has uh, some of the lessons on it that I used yesterday, and it also um, will catch you up if you didn't get a chance to hear them. I uh, I heard this story recently about uh, a really highly motivated preacher. He uh, came to the office one day and he church secretary said that some lady had called and uh, wanted him to come and study uh, the Bible with her. So he, he called back and made an appointment with her for when he could, they could get together. And so the next day he, <clears throat> he went to the lady's house and walked up and he rang the doorbell and, uh, and nobody answered. But he he heard a a really kind of a high-pitched feminine voice say, Come in! Come in! So he he opened the door, walked in, and he didn't see anybody. He said, Is anybody home? And this voice came back and said, Come in! Come in! So he uh, thought it was coming from the kitchen area. So he, he walked into the kitchen, and there was nobody there, but he saw this very large parrot in a cage. And the parrot said, Come in! Come in! Well, he thought he'd probably better get out of there, so he turned to leave, and he uh, he actually felt the floor trembling a little bit, and he heard this noise, and down from the upstairs part of the house came a German Rottweiler, weighed about 150 pounds. Uh, this dog was not happy, and so the the dog got to the bottom of the stairs. The preacher was standing there, and the dog leaped for his throat. He threw up his hands to protect himself. The dog hit him in the chest, knocked him flat on his back. And he was laying there, and this Rottweiler straddled him. And, and his jaws were just about that far from his nose. And the saliva dripping off of his jaws, and his teeth are drawn back in a snarl that comes ripping out of his throat. And the parrot says, Come in! Come in! And the preacher says, Is that all you can say, you dumb bird? Parrot says, sick them. <laughs> Altogether too often, when we talk about the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, people tend to emphasize the spectacular, ethereal, mysterious, exciting aspects of His work. I said this yesterday, what the Holy Spirit actually does in our normal, everyday lives is not spectacular, exciting, or ethereal. The Spirit comes to us, He motivates us, He teaches us, and He convicts us in the most common, ordinary events and circumstances of our lives. 
And those are things that we can very easily miss if we're not actually looking for them. And I just want to say altogether too often, we, we live our lives at such a mundane level. Our lives are just filled with trivia. And as a result of that, we're not looking for the evidences or the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're not looking for it. And so quite often, we miss things. You remember the, the two travelers going from Jerusalem to Emmaus right after the crucifixion? That's a wonderful story in Luke chapter 24. And Luke says they're walking along the road to this village called Emmaus, which is only two, three miles from Jerusalem. And they have their heads down and they're kicking pebbles, and they're thoroughly discouraged. And they're talking to each other about what's just happened in Jerusalem, about Jesus and how they... He said, they said, we, we believed He was the Messiah. And as they're walking along... Out of a little side road, Jesus Himself comes. And He starts walking down the road with them. And they, they are so focused on something else, they don't even realize that it's Jesus walking beside them. You know, it's an incredible story. And I'm saying that quite often we do the same thing. We're, we're driving along. We're in the grocery store. We're doing this. We're doing that. And things happen in our lives that we don't even notice. Because we're not really tuned to spiritual things. We're tuned to the everyday material events of our lives. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Listen carefully. Finally, Paul's about to conclude the book of Ephesians. Finally, he says, let me say to you before I sign off on this letter, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes I wish I had time to expand on that. Listen to this. For our struggle, our struggle as Christians in this world is not against people. No, it's, this is an incredibly important point. And we lose sight of it too easily. Our struggle, he says, is not against flesh and blood. It isn't people who are our enemies. Our struggle is against rulers and authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil. Our struggle is against the spiritual forces of evil. And quite often, those spiritual forces of evil have an influence on our lives because we're not even aware of them. We're not thinking about that that way. In virtually every decision we make, 
Listen, virtually every decision we make, brothers and sisters, is either God-motivated or Satan-motivated. I just said something important to you. Virtually every decision we make is either God-motivated or Satan-motivated. One of the two is involved in every circumstance of our lives. Therefore, because of this, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, and it will come, not just one day, the day of evil will come. It always does. You may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and then he says something that we have paid very little attention to. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. If you, don't, uh, if you want to check this out, it really is in your Bible. Did you know that it is God's will that you pray in the Spirit, capital S, Spirit. Did you know that it's a command? Do you have any idea what that means? Would you say that you have ever done that? Have you ever prayed in the Spirit? No, it's right here in the Bible. It's, this is the New Testament. It's a command. And pray in the Spirit. It's just like take the sword. Put on the helmet of salvation. Those are written in what we call the imperative form. They're commands. And again, I just I don't want you to just pass over this. Have you ever heard a sermon in your life on praying in the Spirit? No, shake your head like this. Thank you very much. Good. That's good. Okay. Now, yesterday I taught you how to shake your head like this. Okay. Today I want you to shake your head like this. And, and brothers, I told you yesterday, especially when you're talking to your wife, you should shake your head like this. Do not shake your head like this when you're talking to your wife. Bad idea. Okay. Well, if you don't know what that means, then how can you do it? 
I think it's an important question. I don't understand why we just choose to ignore very plain biblical truths for a religious movement that claims to speak where the Bible speaks and be silent where it has, is silent. We have failed to speak on this topic. We have failed completely to even address it. Well, if it wasn't important, it wouldn't be in the Bible. It's got to mean something. It has to mean something. Our prayers are directed to God. Most of the time, we begin our prayers by saying, Our Father. Now, I need you to stay with me. That phrase, Our Father, implies a personal relationship. I am claiming God as my Father. Well, how did God become my Father? You know the answer. We were born into His family, right? Thank you. Now you can shake your head this way. Okay. We were born into the family of God. That's what the new birth is all about. It's about being born into relationship with God. And we became God's children. And we address each other as brother and sister. Isn't that right? Yes, see, we do. We call each other brother and sister because we're all in the same family. Okay. Now then. In John chapter 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus, I don't have a lot of time. You're going to have to stay with me. That the Holy Spirit is the active agent in our being born again. That which is born, that which comes into existence through the power of the Holy Spirit is spirit. That's what Jesus says. Okay? So, When we were born again, when we became children of God, the Holy Spirit was involved in that process. And the Holy Spirit created spiritual life in us. Now, you can see this. The Bible tells us that God is spirit, right? Okay. So it takes spirit... To communicate with spirit. You can see that. You can't communicate with a dog. Well, some people try, but it doesn't work. I was at somebody's house the other day, and I can't remember. They had a dog in the house. And by the way, you shouldn't have dogs in the house. I don't know why people do that. Um, But anyway... um, this person was saying something to the dog. And I don't remember, I can't wish I could remember what the words were, but it was, it was like something that they might say to me. And they said to the dog, do something. And I said, yeah, and while you're at it, fix breakfast. He didn't do either one. Uh, but don't lose my point here. Only spirit can communicate with spirit. God is spirit. 
flesh and blood cannot communicate with spirit. If that's all it is, it can't do that. There has to be a spiritual life in us to communicate with God who is spirit. So in the new birth, spiritual life is created in us. And it is only because spiritual life has been created in us that we can communicate with God and God can communicate with us. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You can't miss it. Listen to this. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Listen. However, as it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. Watch this. But God has revealed it to us. God has revealed the things that He has prepared for those who love Him that has been revealed to us by His, capital S, Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And then he says, We have not received the Spirit of the world, but we have received the Spirit who is from God so that... Always watch the so that's. So that we may understand what God has given to us. Paul says... We cannot understand a spiritual message until we have this Spirit living in us. That's the only way that we can understand it. So what does the indwelling Spirit do? Actually, obviously, He does a great many things. But just for this lesson today, I want to concentrate on the role He plays in our prayer life. The Holy Spirit is involved in our prayers in two ways. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, in the same way, the capital S, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness. We do not know, listen, what we ought to pray for. And I just want to, do you really believe that? I'll bet you, you think that you do know what you ought to pray for. Isn't that interesting? No, the Bible says you don't know what you ought to be praying for. Why is that? Because we pray out of most of the time material concerns. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And He, that is God, who searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. It's right here. The Holy Spirit 
intercedes on my behalf with God. Because I don't know what I should be praying for, even though I think I do. And what I'm saying in practical terms is, so I'm on my knees this morning and I'm praying about several things uh, this morning before I come here. And in, in practical terms, I think this is what happens. Now, I'm trying to just phrase this so we can have some grip on, on what's going on here. So I utter all of these words. I say all these words. Father, I want to do this, and I ask you to bless this, and I go down a list of all the people I'm praying for, and I say, bless this person, bless this person, all this kind of thing. And I pray about a whole lot of things. So what does the Spirit do? The Spirit takes those words, and not just the words, but the feelings that I have in my heart that are attached to those words. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? There are, I have feelings in my heart that I really can't put into words. And so the Spirit takes that prayer before the throne of God. And He says, this is what John's really asking for. No, isn't that good? This is, He communicates not just the words, but He communicates my heart. And he says, this is what John is really asking you to do. So that's one of the reasons, one of the things about it means that we, when we pray in the Spirit, we pray with the understanding that the Spirit is going to take my prayer before the throne of God and He's going to interpret it into spiritual language. He's going to say, this is what's really on John's heart. He may even be say, you know, John's not real smart. And he didn't say this very well, but let me tell you what he's really trying to say. He puts finite material thoughts into an infinite spiritual medium. He takes finite thoughts, thoughts that are confined to my material existence, and he places those finite thoughts into an infinite spiritual medium. That's what it means to pray in the Spirit. It, it means, and I, I, I mean, I even said this, the words this morning, I know I'm not saying this very well. No, I said this to God. I know I'm not saying this very well. But I'm trusting that the Spirit is going to take what I'm saying and communicate it to you in terms of what I'm really asking for. That's very comforting to me. No, that is very, very comforting to me. Because I'm really glad that sometimes the things I pray for, God doesn't give me. No, I believe me, I've prayed for a lot of things in my life that I have later said, thank you for not doing that.
I'm not saying that I understand this completely. You must, you must understand that. I'm saying to you that I believe it. I want to say that to you again. I'm not trying to convince you that I understand all of this. I'm saying to you that I believe this because it's right here in the Bible. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. So what is our weakness? It is our materialistic values. It's the idea that we place everything into our own little time frame here on earth. It's because we don't see all ends. We don't see all ends. And because we don't see all ends, our prayers tend to be very concentrated on a very small period of time and on very small things. We can't get past that. My, uh, my mother's mother was born in uh, London, Canada. And my mother's father was born in Copenhagen, Denmark. And, and they both... No, I'm sorry. She, my grandmother was born in London, England. My grandfather was born in Denmark. They both immigrated. Obviously, they didn't know each other. They both immigrated to London, Canada. And they met there and they married. And I, I'm just trying to give you the, the circumstances, the odds of all of this happening. That they met in this huge city and they, they married. And my mother was born there. But then my grandfather wanted to come to this country. In fact, that's the reason he went to London, Canada, was because it was easier to immigrate from there than it was from Denmark. And so eventually he did come to this country. And eventually my grandmother followed him. So my mother was raised on the streets of Detroit, Michigan. And ultimately, after about 30 years... Through an amazing set of circumstances, she actually met my father, who was from Arkansas, and who had gone to church when he lived in Arkansas. But he didn't go to church when he got to Michigan. (laughs) There's no point in going on with the story. I'm just saying that the, the circumstances under which I came into existence are exponential. No computer in the world would be powerful enough to work out all the circumstances by which I'm standing in front of you today. No, it's absolutely mind-blowing, all the things that had to happen for me to be here. So, my grandmother and grandfather (laughs) didn't get married so that I could one day come and preach in the church in Clinton. They, don't, they didn't see those ends, and we don't either. We, we don't understand all of the incredibly wonderful, powerful things that God is doing in our everyday lives. We don't see those ends. The Holy Spirit does. Our inability sometimes... It's very difficult to believe that what we want may not be what we need. Since we tend to think 
we tend to pray in words. This is another aspect of it. I don't know about you, but sometimes, as good as I'm supposed to be with words, I can't find any. I can't find the words to say what I want to say. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in my prayer, I actually say to God, no, that's not what I mean. As though he doesn't know that that's not what I mean. I think I, I feel like I have to explain it to him like I would explain it to you. The major impact, the major impact and evidence of being baptized in with by the Holy Spirit is not an ethereal, emotional, existential high of sublime elevation and spiritual supremacy. The major impact is a devastating awareness and conviction of sin and utter unworthiness. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul says, Because you are sons... God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. Watch this. No, listen. Because you are God's children, God has sent the capital S Spirit into our hearts. And it leads us to say, Father. Praying in the Spirit means that we pray with an awareness of the Spirit's presence. Our minds and thoughts are led by God's Spirit to understand His will. The Spirit also reminds us, the Spirit calls to our attention passages, biblical situations, spiritual ideas to help us to deal with the problems at hand. The Spirit clarifies our thinking by putting things into spiritual perspectives. The Spirit also refreshes our memory. He says, you remember what happened when you prayed for this the last time? It is the Spirit that says to us, is this really important? Are you sure this is what you really want? It is the Spirit that says, might it not be better if you learned to live on less than asking me to give you more? Well, there's one. Might that not be better for you if you learned to live on less than constantly asking me for more? This is even harder. Is it possible that it would be better for everyone if your loved one died? See, we don't want to think that, do we? But from God's perspective, who sees all ends, the Spirit might say to me, 
you know, John, it might be better for my purposes and for the good of all if the person you're praying for to live died. After all, you know, dying's not the worst thing that can happen to you. Not by a long shot. When my oldest son went to college, he was 800 miles away from us. And he would call periodically. And I'd pick up the phone. He'd say, hi, Dad. I'd say, hi. How are you doing? And I knew that somewhere in that conversation, he was going to ask me for money. No, it never failed. No, I want to make an important point out of this. It never failed. The purpose of his call, I mean the purpose, what motivated him to call, was not that he cared about what his mother was doing or what was going on at home or to tell us what was going on in his life. What motivated him to call was he needed money. And I remember one time when he called, and we got to that topic, I said to him, is that all you want from me? Is that all I am to you? You didn't call tonight, son, to ask about your mother. You didn't care what was going on in her life. You don't care what's going on in my life. You didn't call to tell us what's going on at school. You called because you want money. Is that all I am to you? Am I just the eternal source of blessings? Now, if I can feel that way, you think about how God feels. And I hear God saying to me, is that all you want from me? The only time I ever hear from you is when you want something. And I don't mind giving it to you. And I told my son, I said, son, I don't grudge you the money. I don't mind giving you the money. That's not the problem. The problem is I want you to want me. I want you to be interested in your mother and I. And do you think that God doesn't feel that way when we as His children, all the time we talk to Him, is when we need something? I just think this is really important. Because if I can feel that way, God can certainly feel that way a whole lot more than I do. So I just want to encourage you to sometimes just tell God, What's going on in your life? Just talk to Him. Tell Him how grateful you are. Tell, you, tell Him how much you love Him. Oh, I tell you. One morning, it hasn't been this very long ago, I woke up feeling really depressed. That's not unusual for me. That's the truth. I didn't even know why. I mean, I woke up in a, I was telling somebody, what my kids call a gray funk. 
I don't know what that is, but it's bad. But I, I know that the best way out of those moods is to do something, so I decided to take a really long seven or eight mile hike up on Monsano. So I was walking along this trail with my head down and kicking pebbles, scuffing my feet, and I wasn't paying a lot of but I started I was praying that God please lift me out of this oppressive mood. And as I walked along, I'm just out there on this little trail, roots and rocks all over the place, and I'm on the side of a mountain. I actually heard myself singing. I actually heard myself singing before yeah, I realized that I was singing. And I was singing the words to an old song. I just looked a while ago. It's not even in the books anymore. It's a, it's a tragedy. But I hadn't heard this song in 30 years. I, at least 30 years. I hadn't heard this song. And so I, I have no idea why I started singing. I, it was no conscious effort on my part. Lead kindly light amid the encircling gloom. Lead thou me on. The night is dark and I am far from home. Lead thou me on. Keep thou my feet. I do not ask to see the distant scene. One step enough for me. I was not ever thus, nor prayed that thou shouldst lead me on. I loved to choose and see my path, but now lead thou me on. I loved the garish day, and spite of fears, pride ruled my will. Remember not past years. Do you, do you ever, are you ever grateful that God doesn't remember past years? No, isn't that a wonderful thing? God has forgotten the things that I still remember, and I grieve over it. So long thy power has blessed me. Sure, it still will lead me on. Or moor and fen, or crag and torrent, till the night is gone. And with the morn, those angel faces smile, which I have loved long since and lost a while. When I finished the last verse, I couldn't help but notice that the mood was gone. It was gone. And the question is, where do things like that come from? You can believe whatever you want. No, I mean that. You can believe whatever you want. I can only tell you what I believe. That's all I can do. I believe it was from the Spirit. That's what I believe. Satan doesn't ever urge us into God's path. I can tell you that. 
No good thing ever comes from the devil. Even if it looks good. To pray in the Spirit has to do with praying with that Spirit. I was praying, God, lift this mood. Help me. I don't want to feel this way. It's awful. Well, how does the Spirit answer a prayer like that? See, He doesn't turn a screw. We pray for all kinds of things. Praying in the Spirit has to do with praying with that spiritual part of my being that came into existence by the work and power of the Holy Spirit when we were born again. In John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus says, God is Spirit. And that spiritual nature that was created in us by the Holy Spirit in baptism communicates with the Spirit of God. When the spiritual part of my personality is in harmony with the one to whom I am praying, I am praying in the Spirit. To pray and to really mean thy will be done provides assurance. This isn't a phrase that we just tack on to the end of our prayers because it sounds right. No, it's a very important concept. It's not just words. No, we're really trying to express to God, may your will be done. Because if your will is done, that's what's best for everybody. Regardless of what I want. It doesn't matter. I want your will to be done in my life. Because if that happens, whether I like it or not, whether it's what I want or not, that's what you want and that's what's best for me and that's what's best for everybody around me. And that's not easy sometimes, is it? Because quite often I want my will to be done. No, it's the truth. You know, sometimes I'm almost afraid thy will be done because I'm afraid that his will won't be mine. The purpose of prayer is not to tell God what we want. It's not even to tell God what we need. Jesus says, God knows what you need before you ever ask. No, it's right there in the Bible. God knows what you need before you ever start praying. So the purpose of prayer can't be to tell God what I need. That can't be it. And before my son ever called, I knew he needed money. No, no I, I just, that's a very simple way of stating this. I knew he needed money. He didn't have to call and tell me. And he would have gotten the money anyway. He would have gotten it anyway. But sometimes we find ourselves praying... I know I've got to wrap this up. But this is an important part of this. If you pray to be more loving, if you pray to be more kind, if you pray to be more patient, 
If you pray to be less self-centered, if you pray for guidance and wisdom, how do you think God's going to answer a prayer like that? These are internal qualities. God, help me to be more patient. Help me to be more kind, more loving, more understanding, more whatever it is. How? How is God going? You see, if you don't think that God can do that, there's no point in praying for it. Sometimes I think we pray more out of duty and out of habit than out of faith and expectation. And all I've got time to do is to say God is able to respond to those prayers through the indwelling Holy Spirit and His ability to communicate spiritual ideas to our spirit. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Listen carefully. Now to Him... You know this passage. It's been turned into a song that we sing. Now to Him who is able who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, listen to this church, according to His power that is at work within us. That's how it happens. God is able to do more than we ask or even imagine by the power that is at work within us. That's how these things happen. Jesus tells His disciples to pray and never give up. And I want to encourage us to to pray and to never give up. Let's pray together. You know, Father, I feel so inadequate. I, I, I know I've been trying as best as I can to communicate some very powerful, wonderful, infinite ideas that, that I, I sense the truth of them. And I live in that truth. But I really feel like I haven't done a very good job of communicating these kinds of ideas. Although, in my heart, I, I think I understand them. And so I, I pray that you will, you will, through your Spirit, who indwells these people here today, that, that that Spirit will communicate to them the ideas that I've tried so hard to present. And I pray that all of us will be encouraged and challenged and uplifted and, and determined to pray and to never give up. In Jesus' name, amen.